0: Uh, venture capitalists in America said software is eating the world and I think on the first initial check I wrote must have been a hundred times the uh, investment. For me as an investor that meant that the money I invested went probably close to a 2000x.
1: Hi, and welcome to Angel Talks, a podcast that provides exclusive insights into the world of angel investing. I am your host, Sona Vazirian, director at BANA Angels, a pioneering angel investing network in Armenia with over five years of experience in the field. We have 26 startups in our portfolio and prominent angel investors from all over the world. You can learn more about us at bana.am. Here at Angel Talks, we are gathering with distinguished investors who share their experiences, personal stories, tips, and tricks to help you start doing angel investing or become better at it. Today, I am honored to have Bas Gotska as my guest. Bass is one of top 10 most active angel investors in CIS. He is one of top 50 European angel investors, according to Crunchbase. Bus is a founding partner at Acrobator Ventures. He has more than 40 personal investments in startups, and he has a Decacorn in his portfolio, which is a startup with over $10 billion valuation. So um, in this episode, we will discuss the motivations behind angel investing, why people do it, dive deeper into Bas's personal story, how he started and his success. So let's start. Hi, Bas. Thank you for being my guest today. Hello, Sona. Thanks for having us. So um, you are a very experienced angel investor with many interesting companies in your portfolio. Uh, how would you define angel investing for yourself?
0: It's helping people with a dream to achieve their goals with your experience because you've maybe made the mistakes or the victories already before where they're just entering as a young entrepreneur or a second time entrepreneur in the market.
1: Um, interesting. So. Um, While doing that, uh, so angel investing is considered to be very profitable kind of uh, investment type. Um, What's what's the like the financial aspect of it? Um, Of course, it has very big uh, impact aspect and like personal uh, aspect, but what's the financial aspect for it? Like why is is it profitable? Why is it so? Good question. Um,
0: various research has shown a uh, result of uh, in between 25 and 35% IRR. IRR is a term meaning internal rate of return. Now, if you look at your bank account, maybe that's like a few percent. So, angel investing is very profitable but you also have an amazing quantity of companies dying um, in their early stage. So 80% I've read or 60% or even 90% of companies don't survive their first year or their first one and a half years. So the risks are very, very high. You need to understand Mm -hmm. immediately that you're saying goodbye to the company, not be emotional about it if it happens. of course, help the founder with such a tragic end of their project, but that means that it's very high risk uh, money you invest. But with the ones that succeed, considering you were their very first investor, the returns can be very, very high. So it kind of levels each other out and only with the right strategy you can yeah, become a very successful entrepreneur.
1: Right. Yeah, we we hear all these uh, you know stories about um, this startup making a great exit or uh, having this many millions of users, uh, doing a new huge round of investments, like um, getting a lot of money from top venture capital funds in the world. Uh, but what we need to realize that uh, in all this success, angel investors are the ones who is. Who are actually making the most uh, benefits, if we can say so, right? Yeah, um, angels—they
0: um, sit on board with a company when the valuation can be maybe a thousand times lower than a company that has already reached their billion-dollar valuation, the unicorns, or even their ten-billion-dollar valuation, like decacorns, we call them. So. Uh, yeah, it is, It is. I think, the very, yeah, I would say the sexiest uh, way of uh, of investing, the closest <laughs> to, to the actual growth curve, to the learning curve of the founder. You can help and you can see results often very quickly from anything they implement. There is a very creative level of constructive chaos in startups at that earlier level that will slowly maybe disappear
1: mm-hmm. as
0: the company grows and becomes more grown up
1: it's very profitable and interesting what we can see um, for an investor's perspective let's uh, talk a little about startups um why are startups different from any other businesses? And like, where are those startups? Like how how you found those 40 plus startups to invest best? Yeah, startups and the whole ecosphere,
0: we normally refer to startups as companies in the digital sphere, which is not completely correct because you can also have a startup I would say, in the in the real world, in the offline world. So there are definitions about startups, but for this podcast, we're mainly focusing on the digital startups. And why are they exciting? Because if you would, for instance, in the real world, in the offline world, I would say, invest in a bakery, then to set up a second bakery and a third bakery, you can try to do that fast, but it's for scaling pretty, pretty hard. Uh, fairly slow, you need to find locations, etc. Now, with digital, once you have product market fit, as they call it, so basically you are really delivering a product to the market, a software product that is needed and people find it and download it, then it can go extremely fast and you can very well scale. And if you look at the last 100 years of value development, then the highest achieving area has that kind of outperformed all other uh, commodity or, or 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 financial investment has been in the software area of course 100 years ago there was no software uh, but it's more about um, that you can see the start from 100 years ago and then all of a sudden there is software and as some famous uh, venture capitalists in america said software is eating the world and it's at a very rapid pace <laughs> overtaking values when you look at the nasdaq or actually at the the wall street top 100 companies you'll see that the ones dominating the valuations are very often companies that have a very very strong
1: digital aspect yeah I agree uh, and yeah the second part of the question how how you source those uh, startups how you find them where where you find them actually you know startups are being set
0: up by humans and human beings you can (laughs) find on this planet on many spots and basically um it's it's a very very much a people's effort so you meet a person and your intuition your intellectual radar they tell you wow this is a person that really is passionate about their project they already know a lot about the topic and actually there is a resonance. It resonates with you that you actually think, hey, but this girl or guy actually has a point. Yeah, I am also frustrated that my car is not uh, delivering uh, particular usability and this co- company is trying to fix it. Or my uh, I would like to have a software piece that helps me better create music or and then they've always find pain points, whether it's in companies or in life, and they dream, these founders, about these entrepreneurs, about fixing that area. And maybe they had some story in their life that got them the idea. That's very often the case. And they wanted to maybe help a family member with a problem or something they experienced in their job. And with the passion of that idea, they start making reality out of that idea. And that actually in itself gives a great vibe, a great energy. So the moment as an angel investor, you feel that there is a personal connection with that person, with that problem, with the pain points, with the products they are making, and actually also with your own expertise, where you can add value with your knowledge. Maybe you are a great lawyer. Maybe you are a great finance person. Maybe you're a wonderful programmer. If you see that somebody is trying something and you have experience, then you become a very attractive angel investor for the founder, because you will bring what they call smart money. You just don't give them the the money, you also give them advice. And if it's a great founder, they will in most cases value your advice and implement it or have a very interesting discussion with you why not so sourcing i would say uh if it's a practical guide on where to find those founders um do mm-hmm. not underestimate your own network i would say that's the first things just check if there's people in your network that are involved in the sector in the technology sector and say hey i came across a person that i know for 10 years they left their job they were really great in what they did and now they have set a startup, uh, set up a startup uh, half a year ago. You should talk with them, okay, and have a coffee, have a lunch, get to know the person, ask why they are doing this, etc. So that would be referrals. If you do not have that many people in your network, then I would say an area to source number two would be conferences or angel networks, uh, where you can find like-minded people and see that it's a bit of a marketplace or what they call network effect where there's both founders startup entrepreneurs coming and potential investors or people who first want to learn a bit more and then gradually become an investor so then a third element would be if you are in your particular area of expertise a visible person then any yeah any moments where you are maybe talking at a at a conference or you're doing a podcast or a blog post. It could be that you reach people out there that you would normally not meet and they will knock on your door, your email inbox or through someone that they see on LinkedIn that knows you and you will get what they call inbound deal flow. And deal flow is any, any lead, I would say any opportunity where a startup founder says, hey, I want to talk to you. Maybe you want to invest in my company. So, for instance, our Venture Capital Fund, we have many thousands in our deal flow pipeline, as they call it. And I think it's very important for an angel because that's not an institutional investor to be very visible and have access to a lot of deal flow, which brings me actually as a footnote to the point that you would normally see that angel investing is hard work. You need to probably spend more time selecting and filtering out the bad opportunities from the good ones. So it's not that once you meet with a founder, that immediately means you should invest, or that even 10 founders means that you should invest in one or two. Actually, the average number you hear in the industry is about 1%. So it could be that you actually have 100 startup founders pitching their idea, and there's only one where you say, wow, this really goes well. Sometimes it's even less. Sometimes it's more. If you, for instance, have a group of friends that are very knowledgeable in a particular area and they already went through selecting, it could be that they actually present you with a referral of already pre-selected, which doesn't mean that you should immediately invest, but it actually filters a lot of the lower or medium quality or less matching founders uh, from your overall uh, deal flow. And of course, last point there, sorry, is Uh, serendipity I think there's a lot of unexpected elements you sit in a plane you start talking to the person (laughs) next to you and all of a sudden they have a very great idea and you love it and um, maybe you already decide to invest uh, at the end of the flight which I actually don't recommend always take at least one night before you say yes one day to calmly think it over check around maybe there's very strong competitors that you never heard of but once you zoom in a bit you find them
1: yeah, I like that you talked a lot about like people aspect, human aspect of the sourcing the deals, and um, that's actually all about angel investing. Like everything around angel investing is uh, communicating with people, being out there talking. Even I heard a case when um, hairdresser advised a deal startup and it turned out to be a pretty good one and an investor one of our investors like uh put money in the in that uh startup so that's uh, can be like the the startups can come from very unexpected sources i
0: completely Somewhere agree you wouldn't so like not.
1: predict <laughs> yeah yeah not only on the investors meetups and conferences or all the like tech events you can mm-hmm. like think the first about but yeah
0: I think the last point regarding sourcing a startup, uh, this is a rare one, but I think once you have a particular idea Mm -hmm. in your head that you think, hey, this is a pain point in my sector, I do not have the time to develop it. But actually, you could go researching and just look if you can find online efforts, maybe in a, a site called Crunchbase or on LinkedIn or even read the the tech magazines, um, you can actively go out there and search for an opportunity. Um, And actually, if you have friends in the finance sector that are, for instance, in a a venture capital fund, they often tell their startups uh, that knock on the door that are very early, that it's too early. They should come back later. If you have a few of those friends that get this big deal flow of a venture capital fund, You could actually ask them,
1: uh, Mm -hmm.
0: like, hey, anything that is too small, too early for you, that you feel, wow, if they had one or two digits more in in sales revenue, we would probably invest. You could actually tell them, like, okay, send uh, send those kind of very early stage startups to me to talk with. And then you save yourself a lot of sourcing because they'll uh, be your referrer.
1: So, um, what's the typical process for you, Bas, when you found a startup and until you decide to make an investment?
0: Great question. I think you can spend a whole podcast on it. So, I'll be very brief how that would work. So, first mm-hmm. thing, you source the startup, you interact, and you do some social validation. So, you double check the background of the founder. You do some concept validation where you speak with experts uh, in the field or even potential co-investors, what they think about this area and this particular company uh, and founder. Once that all is in place, you try to get a very simple legal deal in place. There are a few instruments for that, like the convertible note or the safe note, uh, depending on in which territory you operate. And then it's a question of a little bit of negotiating, um, double checking some documentation they provide, understanding better in depth, how the founder thinks about the future for their company or the founding team, how they think about the future. And then once you wire the money, it's definitely not that you kind of lean back and the race is over and you just wait till there's an exit. Firstly, be patient. It could be four years, five years, six years before this company really starts paying off uh, or you get out early uh, at some Series A investment round, which is when already the the kind of larger funds start putting more money in the company. But um, yeah, just know that once you are on board, it's not easy to to one, two, three, get out. So it's really like a midterm play. And I guess exits, that's, That's a completely Mm -hmm. different topic. Uh, Of course, it's very important, but in this time frame, I'd like to keep it short. First, make sure that you create a very diversified group of uh, startups. There is even a mathematical model Mm -hmm. saying that if you invest in one, it's roughly 90% that you lose all of your money. If you invest in 30 startups, 3-0, then you actually have a chance of 95% that you're not losing money. So I would really recommend that in the process to yeah. make sure that you make it a scalable and repeatable process.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I believe we will have a chance to dive deeper into uh, your mentions the points you mentioned, uh, like one by one. Um, to sum up uh, the first part, I would say that So angel investing is one of the most profitable investments type you can come up with and start doing. Um, And you and it has like a lot of social benefits with it. You meet interesting people, uh, you socialize, you could go to these conferences, events, Mm -hmm. and um, uh, all the like other benefits related to it. uh, But it also it's considered to be very risky and uh, you need to wait long period, four to six years to get your exits. So yeah, it, it's, a, it's a threshold <laughs> like everything else in the life. Uh, thank you very much for your, for your inputs uh, and we'll be back for our second part while we will learn more about your personal story and personal investments. So, uh, Bess, tell us a little about your background, your education, your life before angel investing, and then we will like learn how you started angel investing.
0: Cool. Um, I am a Dutchman. Uh, some call me the digital Dutchman. I um, have a background in law <laughs> and uh, Russian language in Amsterdam. And then after living and working in a yeah in a, in a law firm, I didn't like it that much, and I emigrated to Australia. And there, I went to the University of Technology to understand in two thousand what's this whole internet thing. And then I set up a small uh, internet shop and an offline shop, and then it became a, a, a larger company. So that was very good to learn the practice of. How to grow a company with this mix of offline and online and at that time like google was a small startup there was no facebook etc so it was fairly early and um, because australia was english language they were closer to the developments of the united states uh, than other countries more down again back in europe so when i came back to europe in 2003 um having sold my company but not so successfully in Australia but with a lot of knowledge I noticed that I was ahead of the market so I went to a big travel uh, company corporate dot uh, com company lastminute.com, minute dot and uh, grew quickly in the to the management level of this uh, company uh, and learned uh, to refine also with the help of people in uh, the head office in the United Kingdom to 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 apply uh, marketing strategies and I developed a formula called Cash Cow Bomber. Um, at the moment, at that time, it was Cash Cow. We don't have time now to go into what every character in this formula means. But long story short, <laughs> I became uh, <laughs> I became pretty advanced uh, for that time in in marketing online, and that was also definitely my passion. And I understood that that will be the activity I want to do, uh, if it's not for the rest of my life, then at least for a couple of decades. And um, I then became uh, an entrepreneur and I set up a consultancy firm to implement these marketing strategies for new digital companies in the Netherlands and abroad. But uh, as an entrepreneur, I failed because Mm -hmm. my knowledge, uh, I recruited people in the market, but they were not salespeople. They were not really selling products. So I lost all the money I had made before, uh, or a lot of it, and had to go back uh, to a a payroll uh, job. But it was a very serious uh, payroll job in the sense that I became chief marketing officer for the number two uh, travel company in the world. And they gave me a hundred million dollar budget to... Uh, invest in marketing in 13 countries in Europe and that was very good for me to also test the formula uh, cash cow bomber inside a very large international operating uh, company so I became one of the well I would say more visible European marketing uh, people with big budgets in many many countries so you could verify whether something works in Finland or in Spain or in the United Kingdom or in Germany so that was very exciting and with a great, smart group uh-huh. of, of teams across all those countries. Uh, and then at some point I got a bit uh, literally exhausted and tired because I was in a plane four times a week. And it was just at some point at night the American company was implementing uh, new platforms for Europe. So I got uh, tired and understood that if I continue at this pace, things were maybe not be good. So I took a few weeks off uh, on a Turkish island. And then I get this phone call from... Uh, a number one headhunter company in the world and they said well uh, there is a, a british investment fund they're investing in russia and we noticed uh, on linkedin that you speak russian uh, which i didn't speak very well at the time but basically and they said why don't you come with your digital knowledge to russia to moscow and um, you'll be the the upcoming boss of uh, Ozon.ru, uh, which is the russian amazon it was the largest or maybe top two largest internet company in Russia. So that was a big Uh change of culture, a big change of of business methods, etc. A very steep learning curve. And then in 2008, the ruble crashed. So I basically, all the expats left. And I was still there. And I thought, wow, this is such an interesting market. Uh, It's so big and yet so underdeveloped, relatively speaking, because my knowledge was like several years ahead of the market. Mm -hmm. and now finally I'll tell you how this whole angel investing started so I had this corporate uh, experience I left Ozone I went to help set up uh, La Moda which was a rocket internet uh, company doing uh, fashion then I went to a shopping club I mean a lot of things I actually also became a founder of a travel company because people in Russia said you cannot sell tour packages online and me and my two friends We said we can, and we set up what I would say pretty much one of the market leaders in in Russia um, at the time. This is all uh, uh, over 10 years ago. And basically, uh, startup founders, talented young people with a dream to build a company or already had set their first footsteps in entrepreneurship, they came to ask for advice. And I loved to give advice. Uh, My father is a teacher. Maybe I wanted to help a bit with teaching people what I already had learned in the in the, in the 10 years before. Um, and those smart people, they said, but we want more of your advice. We want you to keep helping us. But I had very big projects to run. So I could only do this in the evenings. And some time I said, okay, I'm not a charity. You know what? Mm-hmm. If you give me some advisory shares in the company, then uh, I will help you when I have time uh, to, 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 to help you build your company. And that was so energy creating so sexy because you would come with your experience a young enthusiastic smart team they would implement something in a few weeks or in a week or whatever and you could see the measurable results so there was a very good uh, mutual benefit and then i said okay i like how you work Uh, i'm glad you can use my advice you know what i'll put some savings uh, into your company and this process because it really was like a hobby and a passion it was very organic and when I noticed after being busy with all these large companies that were paying me as a consultant or recruited me as a a chief marketing officer uh, uh, on the side I would do these side investments and at some point it was 10 investments 20 investments and the, the, the press started writing about me that I was the biggest angel investor in uh, the CIS countries. And I also started investing in Holland. And uh, that got me what we called in the first episode of this podcast, deal flow. So a lot of people started writing like, hey, I have a business plan. Do you also want to help me and invest in our company? And I never really thought of it as a professional business or as a professional investing. I didn't feel uh, that I had to go very deep into Excel spreadsheets with financial models because uh, a startup is chaos mm-hmm. it could be that after half a year they pivot or a pivot means that they change their business approach or their business model or they would get a few big clients and all of a sudden they were 10 times bigger so um, it was hard to put the normal standard kind of metrics that you use for later stage companies on these Kindergarten small companies that have maybe 10,000 revenue or 100,000 revenue. And by the time they grow bigger, then um, the kind of MBA level, kind of financial management topics become more relevant. So I had a big portfolio and the portfolio was growing like crazy. And then I actually understood okay, so I'm apparently an angel investor. It was not something you go to school for, it's not something. Uh, you 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 create a strategy for it. It was something that just life brought to me and I brought it to the world. And that was angel investing. And there were also no other angel investors on the radar. I was alone and um, I got used to playing this game alone. And only after years, I started seeing other people doing the same. And um, yeah, that's, uh, that's in a nutshell. Of course, after that, I set up a venture capital fund that's all another story, but the development of angel investing, that's now been my my short or not so short explanation of my biography.
1: (laughs) Yeah, very interesting, actually. Um, so uh, can you please tell us, uh, one or two stories, successful stories, uh, from your portfolio?
0: At some point when I was still working at LastMinute.com, a Dutch guy knocked on the door and said, hey, I'm going to do this smart TV thing where you can buy your your travel on a TV. And this was in 2003. So there were hardly any digital TVs. And um, I agreed because I could see the concept that this could start working well. And we were also trying mobile commerce at the time. So, and then, Three months later, he calls me and says, boss, uh, I did some more research and it's great that you were willing to believe in me and invest in me, but I'm going to give you back the money. I'm like, what? And he says, yeah, because I think it's too early. And Okay, I was very impressed. This was the first time that happened to me that a founder who successfully raised my angel money said, I'm going to give it back. And then a few years later, uh, I got a call from the same entrepreneur He says, Bas, I have a new idea. Uh, Remember me from a few years ago? Uh, Where are you now? I was at the time in Kiev. He said, okay, I'm jumping on a plane from Amsterdam. I'll come to Kiev and let's have breakfast tomorrow. Okay. So, of course, I paid attention to someone flying to another country to speak with me and already remembering how honest and and transparent he was in the past uh, and how much he valued human connection over financial uh, returns. So, I was listening to him very carefully. And he explained his vision in a very proper and smart way. It was disrupting the HR tech industry. So when you look at the the resume, the CV of a person outlining their talents in a resume and sending it to a potential employer, that process hasn't changed since uh, Leonardo da Vinci, since Michelangelo, that's like 14th, 15th century, nothing changed. And he wanted to disrupt this. And I immediately believed in the pain point. He explained to me how big companies get thousands and thousands of resumes and a quarter of everything people write in their resumes may be a little bit better than the reality. They may be telling a bit more beautiful their career than it was in reality, things like that. So he created a, a, an algorithm and a program where you would have a game where you would actually sit in a company uh, in this game and you would perform tasks and the system would very smartly check uh, how quick you type, how you answer uh, people in a call center or um, how you work in a restaurant or things like that. And it was fun for people to do. And at the same time, it gathered the same skills, uh, topics uh, digitally that normally a human being would need to filter from the resume with human errors and inconsistency. And this was a an investment I made at the time, uh, and this company was sold, I think two years ago now or one of years, for a nine digit sum. so um, I think i I did yeah, I think on the first in, initial check I wrote must have been a hundred times the uh, investment or maybe even two hundred times. I don't have the exact numbers now, but um, That is amazing because when you look at my example from the first episode with the bakery, maybe you get 10%, uh, 15% uh, return in a year, maybe 25%. Here you are talking about a multiple. So you are getting for every $100 you invested, you get times 10 times 100. So that's crazy. Of course, this doesn't mean that all the angel startup investments work like that. But the ones that when you hit it big, you you can hit it really big. So this was a nice example of a Dutch startup um, that had a very nice exit and where I was the first angel investor. This one is very funky. Um, I met in 2013 in Moscow a young man, Andrei, and he was still looking at various businesses or ideas and we became friends and I didn't even invest in the beginning we just for a year or two I tried to explain it to him my marketing formula cash cow bomber um, and he uh, was interesting talking about go-to market strategy about uh, business strategy um, we would see each other uh, from time to time and I really got to love how he looked at entrepreneurship and at technology and how resourceful he was in his ideas and then I told him, listen, uh, whenever you grasp a project that you really think works well, then please be the first. Let me be the first you call to invest. Yeah, but I'm not yet sure and I don't need money mm-hmm. for now and I'm working on something else. And, da, da, da. and then at some point, uh, basically, um, he said, Boss, I finally got it and I'm, invest- I'm, I'm raising an investment round. And I say, Well, actually, now that I know you for years, how you work you operate and how you think i probably don't even need to go that deep into your uh, company presentation so of course i will but how much do you need he mentioned an amount i said okay i can do that much and i will mm-hmm. ask two friends to join so we mm-hmm. took a part of that investment round and basically uh, that company became miro and Miro is now a powerhouse a DecaCorn. So their uh, December 21 valuation was $70.5 billion. And that was an amazing roller coaster ride with currently close to 50 million users worldwide. And what they do is basically let people work together remotely on a whiteboard and brainstorm, work with design thinking, agile... Uh, you can do a lot in this uh, thing. If you don't use it, let me make some advertisement use Miro.com as your cornerstone <laughs> innovation in your uh, organizations. And I think 95 or 99% of the Fortune 500s, they actually are clients of this company. And for me as an investor, that meant that the money I invested went probably close to a 2000X or maybe a thousand and a one and a half thousand X. So every dollar I invested became thousand or one and a half so that's an amazing story um from how you become the first angel investor in a seed round in such a startup at a single digit valuation and then it goes to such a crazy valuation now that's a lottery ticket in a way of course but it's all about people if i wouldn't have trusted uh the founder and and noticed his talents and had a relationship for uh many months or years uh seeing him develop then maybe i would have never invested
1: yeah that's a very inspiring story that's yeah true angel path and uh, yeah very interesting story yeah thank you thank you very much uh, for telling us about your experience and how you started how how it's going so We'll be back for the third part for some really quick questions. So, Baz, let's um, go really quickly into the three very quick questions. Um, the first one is, what has been the most rewarding thing for you in angel investing?
0: Getting to know a lot of smart fun. Original thinking people, um, being constantly in an advising and learning role, and enjoying the, the, the serendipity, the kind of crazy unpredictableness, and of course, crazy returns very good financial returns.
1: Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh what would you advise someone who is just starting angel investing consider it a casino so don't spend all
0: your money on it i would recommend to if you have money you do not immediately need in the coming half year year whatever take 10 percent of that amount only maybe 15 depending And invest that and write it off immediately. Know that you will probably lose this money and don't be emotional about it. You went to the angel casino. This is what it is. And diversify, don't go for just one angel startup, but quickly or not quickly, but make sure you set up a strategy of investing in 10, 20, maybe 30 uh, portfolio companies otherwise you'll uh, have a very very high chance of losing so diversify
1: yeah um what is the primary factor that you look at uh, when evaluating the startup like one most important thing
0: Here, I'd love to negotiate with you and give you also maybe a second one. But um, I would say if you (laughs) force me to only have one, then it would be be the founding team. It's all about people. So if that Mm -hmm. is good, then the rest is just being able to solve problems that you come along. If I can squeeze in a second one, I would say you definitely need to see that it's a real problem they are trying to fix that is really needed in society, if you do not see that and it's just a very niche kind of strange little thing they're doing, then the addressable market or the demand is maybe not big enough for it to succeed.
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, Thank you very much, Bust. This have been really uh, interesting conversation. Uh, Thank you for your knowledge, experience, you shared with us, all the insights. Um, I really enjoyed our talk and I hope our listeners will get a lot of useful information from it. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Sona, it was a lot of fun, thanks.
1: Hope you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful. Please subscribe to our podcast to keep up with our future episodes. Don't forget to join our Telegram channel, where we will share information on meetups, events and webinars with startup founders and angel investors, as well as relevant materials on the topic. Uh, If you have a suggestion, feel free to contact me on LinkedIn help spread the word about angel investing by sharing this uh, episode with your network you might be the one who inspires the next successful angel investor it's time to grow your wings so see you soon